morning. It is wonderful to have each and every one of you here this morning. We will begin our service by singing the doxology, which is found in your hymnal number 549. We'll sing the doxology together, number 549. number 710. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Be silent before God, my soul. He bears my salvation. Yes, he is my rock and help, my fortress. I will not be shaken. Whoever sits in the shadow of the highest, who sleeps in the shade of the Almighty, The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Confess that the Lord is good, that his kindness endures. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 218, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we have this wonderful opportunity in this chapel to worship you. And God, right now, as we are praying to you, you call to mind the events of this past week, of today, the events that have taken place in our lives, the events in our friends and family lives. And Lord, you know of those needs that we have through those events. You know of the challenges that we face on a daily basis. And God, we give up all those things to you. We'd ask that you give us the discernment and the understanding that we need to have, that as we deal with these challenges, you give us that wisdom and discernment and that patience that we need to have. And God, may we see these challenges through your eyes and not through our own. And in doing so, God, we truly do see your will working in our lives. And we thank you for that. We think of the needs of the patients throughout this medical center, the needs of the family members that we'll be visiting today, the needs that are of the staff that are working. Lord, we lift those needs up to you as well. We'd ask that you would give them the strength and the power that they need to have to overcome today and the challenges that they face. And God, it is so good that we can call out to you and pray. And we remember the way that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is I Love to Tell the Story, number 205. I Love to Tell the Story.
scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning with verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we have been worshiping you thus far. And Lord, we are so grateful that you've accepted our worship and that you've opened up our hearts and minds to the leading of your Spirit in our lives. And God, I would ask that you would just help each and every one of us continue that act of worship as we listen to those things and apply them to our lives so that we can draw closer to you. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. This morning I want to ask you, when you saw the words that were the title of my sermon this morning, The Lost, what came to mind? What came to mind when you saw the words, the lost? Did you apply it maybe to something that you lost that was of great value at one time in your life? Did you apply it sometimes to when you were physically lost, perhaps in the woods, or perhaps you're traveling, and we all know that men don't like to stop and ask for directions, so one of those times that you were lost and and your spouse or your girlfriend was with you and you decided, hey, I'm going to ask directions anyway because I know I'm lost, I truly am. Or perhaps you thought of other times when you heard the word the lost. You know, one of the things I thought about was my dad, when I was growing up, we lived in an urban area, and we used to go out and hang out with the neighbor kids and so forth and so on, and when I would leave the house, my dad would say, don't get lost. Now, I never stopped and asked him the philosophical implications of what he meant by that, but he'd always say, remember, don't get lost, and remember where you live. You know, when you're a kid, you don't stop and think about, what is he trying to say? Maybe he was trying to say, remember your upbringing. Remember where you come from. Remember that you always have a home. And so when I thought of the words of the lost, I thought of my dad telling me as I would leave the house to go out and play with the neighborhood, don't get lost. This morning when we read the scriptures about Zacchaeus, and maybe you know the account of who Zacchaeus was, and maybe you don't, But Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And a tax collector in those days when Jesus lived was someone that was despised. Because they were someone that was Jewish, but they worked for the Romans in terms of collecting the taxes from the people. And so they were a despised person within society. And they got rich. And the way that they got rich is sometimes they collected more taxes than they needed to take And that's how they acquired some of their wealth. And so Jesus is coming to Zacchaeus. And if you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Am I dating myself, I guess? 
And he climbed up in the sycamore tree, right? For the Lord he wanted to see. And so anyway, so Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree because he wants to get a good look of Jesus because Jesus was coming in into Jerusalem and Zacchaeus wanted to see him. And so Jesus stops at the tree and says, looks up to Zacchaeus and calls him by name and tells him to come down immediately. I don't know about you, but if I was climbing in a tree and Jesus called me by my first name and told me to come down from that tree, I would do whatever Jesus told me to do. And Zacchaeus did the same thing. But what's interesting here in the text of Scripture is the response of the crowd, of the people, that they was going, Jesus was going to have and have a meal with Zacchaeus. And the crowds muttered to themselves about the fact that he was going to be with a sinner. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How many times do we think of circumstances within our own lives that we truly really know that we are a sinner, that we have separated ourselves from God by the actions and by the way that we are living our lives? And we know those self-righteous people that are around us that mutter, you know, especially when you go to a, let's say, a family gathering, right? We all know who the black sheep are, right? But it's interesting here is, It's recorded in Luke's Gospel to show us that we are not to have that type of response. When Jesus goes and has a meal with a sinner, when Jesus comes to a sinner's life and that sinner asks to receive Christ in his own life, we should rejoice. We shouldn't mutter between ourselves, how dare that black sheep come to our family event. We should rejoice when the black sheep come. We should rejoice when the sinners join us in prayer. We should rejoice when the sinners come and have worship with us. Because we too are sinners ourselves, are we not? But a lot of times, the people that are lost are the ones that are full of their own self-righteousness, not the sinner. The sinner knows where he stands between himself and God. He knows where he is. But the self-righteous person, they truly don't know where they are. They don't see where the boundary lines are. Because, you see, they feel that their self-righteousness is what's going to maintain the relationship with God. It's that self-righteousness that's what's going to maintain them into heaven. But Jesus reminds us in other portions of Scripture that there's going to be a lot of people that were expecting salvation and they're going to be surprised because they have not truly received it within their own lives because they are truly lost. But you see, the people that that Christ came to minister to were those people that knew exactly where they were between God and themselves. And it's something for us to think about. The people within our own lives. And we know who those people are. It could be even ourselves. I know that when I was the black sheep for a while and I came to a family event, I could hear the muttering of my family members as I came into the house. 
But all of us, I think, in some form or fashion, maybe have experienced that. When we experience the less than from the people that are supposed to love us, when we feel that less than of people that are supposed to care for us, and we cry out to God in our own quietness of our own hearts, in our own minds, knowing that we are separated from God because of the life that we're living, but yet we don't understand the people that are supposed to love us the most seem to reject us the most. But Christ didn't. And he did it publicly to make a point, to set an example, that if I can have Zacchaeus come down from a tree, if I can go and be blessed in his own home, if I can move in Zacchaeus' life and change his life, so should you work with that person that maybe has alienated themselves from God. Work with that person that has been openly immoral. Work with that person that we've looked to in terms of ministry and we see within their own lives that maybe they truly haven't come to know the Lord because their life does not reflect a profession of faith in Christ. But yet we seem to forsake those. We seem to write them off as though we shouldn't put any energy or effort. But Christ gives us an example this morning where that's where our energy and efforts should be applied. Not the righteous. Helping a righteous person, that's easy. Come on, what effort are you making for that? But helping someone that is unrighteous. That's where the challenge is. That's where the courage of being a believer in Jesus Christ comes up. That's what who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And Christ is telling us to do that. And for those of us that have been found and once was lost, we should know what it's like. I should know what it's like because I once was lost but then I was found by Jesus Christ and I came to know him as my Savior and Lord. So how much more so we then, those that were lost and now found, should be able to go and minister to those that are unrighteous, that practice open immorality because how else are they going to know how else are they going to be ministered to? How else are they going to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the actions and by the attitudes of our lives? For those of us that have been lost, we know within our own lives that being lost in something in which it is progressive, being lost and going away from God just doesn't happen overnight. It's a progressive effort. When we first go away from God, usually there's a sense of some kind of event happening in our lives and we're not feeling that we've been treated fairly and we think it's been unfair and somehow we think God has shortchanged us in the circumstances that we have. And we become disorientated in terms of understanding what our relationship is with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we all experience 
that disorientation spiritually. When we question God in our lives, and we all do that, and I think God is big enough to take on our questions. Maybe we're not big enough to take on his answers that he gives us. But God is big enough to take on our questions. It's just whether we can take those answers that God responds to us and listen to his still small voice as he ministers to us in our lives. But in that progressive state, we experience that disorientation of being lost. And over the course of time, there becomes a deterioration of our following of the Lord, of our beliefs and what we believed in. And then we see that eventually our walk with God begins to disintegrate, begins to fall apart. And then we find ourselves in an ultimate condition where we're separated from God and we know it without a shadow of doubt. And we wonder how did we get here to begin with? And as we cry out to God, as we cry out to Him with all of the questions that we have, all of the whys and the what-fors, all of the if-onlys that we have in our lives, in that one moment, God ministers to us in His Spirit. And we are open to see the answer that He gives us. And He asks us, you have put yourself here because of the choices that you've made. But yet I am here to rescue you from the choices that you have made. Do we have the courage? Do we have the will? The answer to that is, no, we don't. We cry out to God, God, I can't do it under my own power. I can't do it on my own strength. It is only you working in my life can I reestablish the life that you want me to have as a follower of Jesus Christ. It is only through that strength and power that you give me that I can truly take that free gift of your grace and make it a part of my life, understanding what eternal life truly means, the life in the present and the life that is to come. God wants us to thoroughly enjoy a life that is a following him in all that we do in all that we say. I was talking with Lynn the other day and I was sharing with her the fact that I struggle every day with getting lost. And what I mean by that is there are so many things in our lives that take our attention away from our walk with God. And we get lost in those things. We get lost in that situation. We get lost in that circumstance. And we forget who we are as being a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone that is to be Christ-like. And I get lost every day like that. And maybe you have the same struggles, but maybe haven't thought of it in those terms. Is when we get lost in ourselves, when we start to demand our own way about the circumstances, and it happens so easily, it happens so quickly. But it is only when we are making the effort to walk with God on a daily basis can we see those circumstances in which we find ourselves lost. Lost for that moment of time. 
lost about something in ourselves that we wanted to hold on to, lost in something that we thought was meaningful, some type of possession, some type of word that was said to us, lost in our own feelings. God never wants us to be lost. He always wants us to be found with Him. And it is a struggle. A lot of people, when they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they think that, wow, man, I'm never going to have any problems again in my life. Nope. The problems that you had the day before are still with you after you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You just now have a friend, a person, a spirit, a presence of God that can help you see you through those circumstances and through those difficulties. But yet we find ourselves lost. And we always want to point to others that are lost in a big way. But I also want to talk about the fact that you and I get lost in little ways. And it's those little ways that begin that progressive state where we truly find ourselves becoming lost. It's those little lost moments that we have the possibility of becoming disorientated with what we believe in. Disorientated with our doubts. Disorientated with our fears. Disorientated with our jealousies. Disorientated with the comparisons that we make of our life and to the lives of others. Jesus cares about those little lost things as well. Because he wants us to follow him on a regular basis. Do we know and understand that as Jesus is there with us, that he he does care about us all of the time? But yet we seem to find ourselves in those moments of fears, in those moments of emotion, of anger and frustration, in those moments of temptation, be it God says, you are not lost with me. You can have strength and confidence in me. You can find that salvation in me. But yet we just seem to be lost. But God reminds us, as the portion of scripture that we have read this morning, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And for you and I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not just a one-time occurrence. It's an everyday occurrence. As we get up in the morning, as we begin our walk with God, we are going to get lost somehow, some way. But what's important to remember is to get back on the right path with God as soon as we possibly can because we do get lost in ourselves because when we get lost in ourselves we can begin that path of being lost from God in our lives and if you've had that happen before and if you've come to know Jesus Christ if you've rededicated your life again he never wants you to get lost He always wants you to be found in His presence, in His love, 
in his will, in his peace. Because that's the way that we truly live in our lives. Because then God can accomplish the things that he wants you to accomplish in your life. He provides for you that purpose, the reason for your existence, the reason that you do the things that you do, the reason that God has placed you where you're at. And the people that he places in your life, all of those circumstances becomes clear because we are no longer lost in God. We have been found through Jesus Christ. And as those purposes are accomplished in our lives, we are amazed at the things that God does through us. And we ask ourselves that question, how can God work in my life as a sinner, as someone who has needed repentance, as someone that is called out angry at God, alienated from God? But yet God still wants to use each and every one of us to carry out his purposes. Because he loves us. Because he truly does care for us. It's something that goes beyond our understanding. It's something that we accept in faith. And as the purposes of God are accomplished in our lives, our attitudes and our actions change. Our attitudes about things that we were once prideful about, once that we hung on to, once that perhaps we got angry about, if anybody even joked with us about certain things, we see that those things no longer matter. We see that those things no longer apply because we are no longer lost in God because we have been found. And we see it in our generosity with others. We see it as we take the repentance that God has given us and we seek to have others come to know Christ in the same way, to understand and to have the same repentance that we have had, to be found once again with God. And then we sense in our spirit that time of rejoicing within our own lives, that peace that passes all of our understanding, the rejoicing in our spirit even though the circumstances around us seem to be the most troubling, because we are not afraid because of what Christ has done for us. We are no longer lost. We have been found. And it is because of that that we can look to others, give them that direction that they need to have as we receive that direction from God's Spirit to come to know him. And it is our hope that we can have opportunities to rejoice with others that come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Rejoice with others as they experience repentance as we have experienced repentance. Remember that time when you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? when you knew that you needed to have forgiveness, you knew that you were alienated from God and that you were separated from God, and the Spirit of God opened your eyes, opened your mind, opened your heart, and you received Jesus Christ 
And you felt such a burden being lifted from you. You felt that you were, you were lighter than air, if you will. And you wanted to tell others about what you had just done. In the same way, God wants us to give those same opportunities to others to come to know Christ. Because we want them to experience the same long-lasting love that we have because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Because we truly want to find the lost and show them the way to Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take with me a few moments and prepare your hearts for communion as we celebrate communion publicly to anyone that professes that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you love us and that you've done so much to find us. You've done so much because we were lost without you. God, forgive us for those times when our self-righteousness has gotten in the way. Forgive us when we have lost our purpose and started to pursue our own way instead of your way. Forgive us, God, when we have judged those that are immoral because we have been immoral. And Lord, I am so grateful that you give us this opportunity through communion to connect with you in spirit and in purpose and in eternal life as we confess our sins and those burdens are lifted from us so that we can follow you. In Christ's name, amen. from the Lord what else I pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please turn with me in your hymnals to number 207. Tell me the old, old story. Number 207. Tell me the old, old story.
gracious God, thank you for reminding us that we are found in you in all things. And God, help us to direct people that are lost to find you the way that we have found you through the presence of your Spirit in our lives. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Amen. What's interesting in this sermon is really the end sentence that Jesus says to those that were with him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And that is a challenge for us, to have the faith of what we believe in, in Jesus Christ. To have the faith in what we believe in as we go before the Lord, wherever that might be, whenever that might be, and go to Him and pray. Do we have that faith? I know for me personally, I don't know if I would have that great a faith as a centurion had. I probably would have come to Christ with doubts, and I probably would have had some kind of storyline or at least thought process for me that I heard about you, Jesus, and I heard that you could do some miraculous things, and would you consider to help me and heal my servant? But the centurion had an expectation that Jesus could do it. Jesus had an expectation that in the centurion he could not believe the fact that the centurion said, you can do it from where you are right now, Jesus. You can do it right now. And I know a lot of us would like to have some type of formula where we can conjure up some type of prayer that God would always answer regardless of whatever our needs might be. And usually our needs reflect our expectations. And I think sometimes we get frustrated and we get angry at God because He's not answering our expectations. 
But I would submit to you that perhaps I know that I need to ask this question. Is he meeting my needs? Is God meeting the needs within my life? And I would have to say to you, yes. Because I find myself within my expectations that I become frustrated with God. That he's not answering my prayers and expectations. Expectations of my wants and my desires. And more times than not, not my needs. So the centurion came to Jesus specifically with a need. With a need. We don't know too much about the servant other than the centurion had traveled a long distance to find Jesus and asking Jesus to somehow heal him. And the centurion replied, no, you don't need to do that. I I, I don't want you to come to my house because I do not deserve you. I do not deserve a relationship with you, that you should come under my roof. But just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. That person that's going to give us everything that we want. The wants that we have do not match the needs that God does want to provide for us. I have never gotten hungry in my entire life. There have been times when I've needed some medical assistance, and God has always provided that through the health care system that we have within our nation. There have been times that I needed to have some money to pay some bills, There have been times when I have been unemployed and had to do some different things to make things happen to provide for a family. But I have never been without. Maybe at times I've had to take jobs and do those things that I particularly do not want to do, but I had to do them anyway because I had to provide for myself and my family. But you see, God has always met my needs. Jesus met the needs of the centurion here, specifically that Jesus would heal his servant. And the centurion believed that he could do it from a distance because of all the things that he had heard about who Jesus Christ was example and we say okay so here is the formula that if we believe enough if we have enough faith if it truly is a need not a want not a desire not an expectation that God will answer that prayer I give a wonderful answer that my lawyer wife always says to people that it depends. But then why did the centurion make the effort? 
The centurion made the effort because he loved the servant. And he wanted to do all the things that he could to make that servant well again. So he asked Jesus to heal him from a distance. The love that God wants you to have shows that you love God for who God is. Not because of all the things that God provides for you. Not because God is some kind of Santa Claus up in the sky. The reality of who we are as a believer in His Son, Jesus Christ. To show that same love that Christ had for us to others as well. When I ask God to take care of a specific situation that I am praying about, is it truly because I want to see healing in the relationship? Is it truly because I love the other person? Is my prayer request something Christ-like in which I am willing to make the sacrifices to do what it takes for God to heal that situation? to make the effort. If the centurion wouldn't have made the effort to meet Jesus, to ask Jesus humbly in the request, to give Jesus the response that he doesn't even need to come to his house, if he would have just stayed at home, sat there on a chair, waiting for his servant to die, and did nothing. But yet he offered maybe some type of prayer, some type of prayer to say, Oh God, please heal my servant. I'm not going to go and meet Jesus. I know that Jesus is in the area. I heard of the miracles and the healings that Jesus has done. But Lord, I'm just too lazy to go and do that. Perhaps you have things in your life that have need to be healed for a long time, but you haven't made the effort. I know, and I think about that, I think about the things that I would like to have healing for in my life, but I must admit to you that I don't want to put any effort for it. I'm too lazy. But you see, there in itself, I am admitting to you and I am admitting before God that it's not a need. I just have this expectation. Oh God, okay, you know, would you take care of it for me? Thank you very much. Amen. But you see, that's where the difference is. God truly wants us to live the best way that we possibly can, understanding that our needs are being met in Christ. And even though all of our questions are, do not have all of the answers, God is still on His throne, loving us and caring for us, reminding us of the faith that we need to have, that we truly need to exhibit that love that the centurion had for his servant, to love your neighbor as yourself is the commandment. It's not a maybe. That's not a if you feel like it. 
It's not a, if you don't have anything else better to do. It is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's where we see the faith come in. The faith that God wants us to have to empower us to do those things that need to be done so we truly can have that healing that we are looking for. Whether it's a physical need, an emotional need, or a spiritual need, God wants to provide that healing in that relationship. He wants that need to be met for you and for me. And we just need to come before God honestly and openly to identify those needs that we truly have. Put our wants and our expectations aside and see the one true God with His Son, Jesus Christ, living in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we see that we are truly then living the best that we can possibly live, exhibiting the things in our life that help others, that transforms the lives of others in the same way that we have been transformed by experiencing Christ as our Lord and Savior. I want for each and every one of us to have the best life that we can possibly live. But the only way that we're going to get there is to have that expression in love and faith believing that God is there meeting our needs. Having the confidence and the courage in the relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To understand that the Spirit of God is there with us every moment of every day because He loves us. Because He cares for us. And He always wants us to give us the help that we need to have to be healed in those areas in which healing needs to take place. And all we have to do is turn to Him in faith believing that He can meet those needs. Amen. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit